It's Tom again for the Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three generations, and three hot takes. The triple threat includes Ted Fatel of Sportsnet Michigan and WJSC radio representative the Baby Boomers. Our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. And the Millennial Man is Jared Fatel of Fox 17 TV in Grand Rapids, Michigan and Fat Stack Sports. The show is syndicated worldwide on Sports Radio Detroit and MWSN Radio and is a Sportsnet Michigan production recorded at the Z92.5 Castle Mid-Michigan Studios. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and other big podcast hosting sites. Comments and suggestions can be sent via social media at 3PointPod or by email to 3PointPod at gmail.com. The fellows will get it rolling right after this. 85, 90, 95, 100. Looking for items to buy or sell? Look no further than SheridanAuctionService.com. We will solve your problem. Bring Sheridan Realty and auction your items and we will market them all over the country and get them sold. If you are looking to buy items, we can help with that too. Call today, 989-720-SELL. It's fast, easy, and we get results. SheridanAuctionService.com. Buy or sell, we'll get it done for you. Call 989-720-SELL. You'll do better with Sheridan. Nelson House Funeral Home's number one goal is to serve the families in our community. They're not tied into an out-of-state corporation or their board of directors. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. The top priority is caring for our friends and neighbors, being right there when you need them most. With unique service to represent unique lives in mid-Michigan, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. The business started in 1880 and continues the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesanine, and New Lothrop. For more details, see them on the web at nelsonhouse.com or call them at 989-723-5234. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your larger, small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of Three Point Podcast, located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. Well, welcome to day 157 of the COVID crisis and episode 132 of Three Point Podcast. Our partners include Advanced Elevator, Corona Connection, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, and Sheridan Auction Service. I'm the old guy, Ted Fatel. Matt Burns is our middle guy. He's on the phone from North Carolina. And Jared Fatel, the youngster, well... He's uh, social distancing from us tonight. He's on location somewhere up north, buried under mulch. So we're going to miss him tonight, but uh, we have a special guest, Stephen Brooks of 24-7 Sports. We're going to get into his beat, which is Michigan State Sports, and we're going to also talk about his career up to this point, and we're going to get into a lot of other sports topics before this podcast is over. Before we get it rolling officially, I just want to tell you, Advanced Elevator Company, they have the best trained professional field technicians for installation, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators in the entire Midwest, centrally located with headquarters in the heart of Owasso, an area business leader and a longtime huge supporter of the Corona Public Schools and a proud member of the Shiawassee Regional Chamber of Commerce since the year 2000. 
Our guest on the hotline tonight, Stephen Brooks of 24-7 Sports. The Twitter handle for their site is at 24-7 Sports. And uh, Steve, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Well, you know, I, I, I followed your career, uh, started here locally at the Owasso Argus Press and now working for 24-7 Sports. Let's first of all start there, give our listeners a little feel for what it's like covering Michigan State sports as a regular beat. Yeah, it's great. It's, uh, it's what I always wanted to do. You know, I went to Michigan State and, like you said, uh, came right out, uh, worked in Owasso for a year at the Argus Press, and then I was in another newspaper in Indiana. That opportunity allowed it, allowed me to cover Notre Dame football and a little bit of basketball on the side, um, and that's always what I wanted to go toward. Uh, college sports have always been my passion. I've always known I've wanted to, to be a reporter, um, so that, that's always really what I was striving for. I uh, was down there for three years, and then the opportunity came about to come back up, and uh, the timing was, was uh, too perfect in a lot of ways. Um, I'm really, really fortunate and lucky that things happened the way they did, and uh, so that was the summer of 2018. I came back, and I've been doing it ever since, and uh, I really love the gig. Uh, I love what 24-7 supported me to do with it. Um, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, so, like I said, it's something I've wanted to do for a long time, and it's good to be doing it. It's, it's as much as, uh, you know, it's as fun as I hoped it would be. I'll start it off here with a with a, an official question about Michigan State. Of course, you know, on your beat, you had a chance to follow closely uh, the Mark D'Antonio exit and then the uh, the search for a new head coach and Mel Tucker. First of all, uh, some, of, some of the inner workings maybe from your end on how that all went down and how things seem to be going with Coach Tucker. Yeah, it was uh, it was a weird time. I first heard about it like the morning of when, when Mark was stepping down, so I hadn't caught any buzz beforehand. Um, of course, you know, leading into 2019, there were sort of whispers about would this be his last year, and uh, you, but you didn't really know how true those were either because that's a pretty um, appealing, you know, bullet. You know, if you're an opposing team and you're recruiting against Michigan State, of course you, you pull that out every now and then. But that was always kind of around, but the timing was just so weird. Uh, a couple days before, one night before signing day, is when he announced the second signing day, so the majority of the class was already signed. But still, a, a pivotal time on the calendar. You know how important that time is. Knows where he's at in the calendar. Knows when these things usually go down. Uh, it was a weird spot to leave the program. A weird spot to leave his assistants, who he's obviously shown a lot of loyalty to over loyalty to over his career. Weird, weird, weird all around. And then, yeah. I think the university did a solid job. Um, better than that, I think they did a good job. You know, I don't. I wouldn't. I don't know about A plus, but pretty dang good in terms of moving quickly uh, to get a, to get the next guy. You know, Luke Fickle was the guy right away, and then he backs off. Well, I think he would have been a great fit. I think folks would have been really happy with him. But to quickly circle back and get Mel Tucker, of course, they dump a lot of money on him, and that makes it an easy sell in that regard. But uh, to identify him, circle back to him, and get him, I think was uh, was a good move by the officials. And uh, you know, we'll see in terms of what he is as a game day coach and we'll see what he is ultimately as a recruiter long term but just on a resume basis i mean the guy's resume can't be much better when you're looking at a coordinator under Saban, coordinator under trestle uh, he's worked under kirby smart came back and worked under nick Saban. he's worked under romeo cornell he's been in the nfl his resume is about as good as it gets so i think there's a lot to look forward to again we'll see you know some of these things look like great situations and fail all the time but uh I think so far, uh, I think folks are still happy, even though 
the pandemic has sort of, you know, thrown a bucket of water on everything. So obviously right there, the pandemic throwing a bucket of water on everything, excitement for Michigan State fans. And even, you know, if you're a fan of Big Ten football, you want to see what Mel Tucker can do. We might have to wait a while. They're saying they're postponing to the spring. I personally don't think that's going to happen. So it seems like it might be a year from now to see what kind of coach he actually is for the Spartans. Uh, my question for you is, you know, I'm, I'm a Michigan fan, um, but I can I can be unbiased and I can see, I, I think that... Oh, come on, Matt. What are you talking about? <laughs> I, I, I think the Mel Tucker hire is a strong <laughs> hire, too. I do agree with you. But it's hard for me, you know, as a Michigan fan, to not see some parallels with the Brady Hoke hire and, you know, how excited Michigan fans were when he came in. Same thing, everything you were saying. Great recruiter, great resume, you know, knows the program, you know, all those check marks that you were just listing off about Mel Tucker. Uh, that's what we were all saying when Brady Hope came in, and we all know how that went down. What do you think Mel Tucker will have to do to have things go better <laughs> than, you know, what happened with Brady Hope? I mean, we know it's going to be a couple years to get his roster going, but you think to keep the support of Spartans fans, when five games, when six games start getting the bowls consistently, what do you think? I think um, he's just got to get so they want immediately he'll get a long, a longish leash. I think um, because he's simply not Mark Antonio. You know, I think he could have went. Let's say there's no pandemic, he could have went out this year and won six games, and people would have you know cheered for that. But if Mark Antonio won six games this year, you know, in a normal fictional 2020, people would have been you know uh, rioting in the streets. So. So many folks, I think, are just happy for a fresh start that they're willing to give them benefit of the doubt, give them leash. I mean, even pre, uh, again, pre-pandemic, most folks were already sort of coining this year, year zero, as opposed to year one. A lot of folks were already ready to give him a pass because of when he got hired. And then, of course, as time moves on, he, he was basically in his office for a month. Part of that was going around and getting his coaches uh, moving, all that stuff. And then, he, you know, a month after he's introduced to his press conference, the pandemic's here and everybody's scrambling and everything's been weird ever since. He's had a lot of obstacles in his way. So anyway, long story short, uh, immediately, yeah, folks want to get back to, uh, you know, consistent bowl contention. And then from there, the general sentiment, I think, among the fan base is compete for the Big Ten every three to four years. And then, you know, your down years should be eight wins, nine wins, maybe seven. You dip way down. But consistently, eight or nine wins, and then every three or four years, get up to that 10-11, you know, get, put yourself in a swing game to go to Indy type of position that they got accustomed to under Mark D'Antonio and obviously won a lot of those swing games. So I think that's a general expectation, but I do think uh, folks will give him, I think reasonable folks will give him uh, a solid window to get there and prove that. You know, you bring that up, and, and we've talked about it before, kind of similar to what the Iowa Hawkeye plan has been. They've been pretty much the same thing, you know, a consistent 7-8 win uh, school, and then every once in a while knocking on the door with 10-11 and 11 and 12 even. I mean, you know, you're, you're talking about Michigan State, and I think they'd be pretty happy with that. We're also looking at their counterparts down in Ann Arbor who can't get quite over the hump. It seems like Harbaugh's had some pretty good success, but obviously can't beat uh, Ohio State and hasn't done well in bowl games and you know their fan base is also kind of up in arms with him and you mentioned that about D'Antonio. Who do you think, you cover Michigan State, but who do you think has uh, a, a more vocal fan base, if you will? Oh, I'd probably have to say Michigan just by sheer numbers. I mean, all the data says they're, they're right up there with, with Notre Dame and you know maybe Texas or something, Alabama. In terms of just 
the largest fan bases out there. Obviously, they have a huge alumni base just in terms of, you know, the folks who went there. But there's, there's a huge, huge following for Michigan. That's why they uh, they get the treatment they do. That's why they're always prime time, you know, when possible. They're they're like the Dallas Cowboys. That you want to get them on your TV, your radio, your website, whatever. So I'd have to say, yeah, that they're the more vocal, more vocal ones for sure just because uh, – just because of the sheer numbers, but uh, Michigan State certainly has their own uh, segments and pockets of folks that can be quite loud. Yeah, we're talking with Stephen Brooks of uh, 24-7 Sports, and, you know, covering Michigan State, and, and you do a lot of stuff, obviously, social media-wise. What's the response to, to stuff you post out there? I mean, are you getting mostly positive? Do you get a combination of positive and negative? Do you get, uh, you know, the fans that are saying, oh, this hire is terrible? You know, what's the feel? Uh, I think the general consensus is still um, still excitement, still optimism. I, the the last couple, you know, being around it every day, and, and like you said, talking with fans every day, and and just again being in the thick of it. Um, the last couple years of the D'Antonio era, and I think he should be remembered as a great coach, the best coach probably. You know, I think folks should remember him well. But these last couple years really sucked the life out of a lot of people. And just and just made, you know took their spirits out uh, in a big way, so the excitement for just something new is still there. Um, it's tampered it's tempered a little bit with the pandemic and, and obviously not playing this fall and who knows what spring will look like. So that's died down a little bit. But in general, I you know I think folks are still pretty optimistic about where they're headed. Uh, they do see signs. You talk about social media. Michigan State's whole presence has changed on Twitter and Instagram. They've hired a bunch of people to create graphics and videos, do all that flashy stuff. They're, they're moving the program in a 2020 direction, you know, in a modern way, uh, whereas in a lot of ways the program did sort of feel old and outdated and stale. So even though there hasn't been games, there's little, there's little bits like that. Like I said, I'd say, you know, the overwhelming majority are still very excited and optimistic. There is a small portion who thought that Mel Tucker would come in and just light it up in recruiting um, and that clearly hasn't happened, but uh, I just think you got to look at the facts of what he inherited when he got the job and what happened in the world and just everything that's happened since uh, February 12th when he got the job. It's been a really, really tough road when you actually break it down, you know, step by step. So there's a small uh, small chunk of people, though, that are like, you know, we're paying them $5.5 million for this. Yeah, I think some people are saying the same thing about what Michigan's paying. Jim Harbaugh, but yeah, Tucker. I mean, any every coach hasn't been dealt the best deck of cards this uh, off season, you know, this spring and summer. But yeah, Tucker definitely was behind the eight ball given the the timing of when he came in. So I, I'll be curious to see how he handles this off season. You know, whatever the winter and spring is going to hold, I'll be really curious to see what he does. But you you brought up um, you know like the social media, the graphics department, and all that, and you know a lot of people talk about, especially nowadays, with how much. You know, the kids are on social media and, you know, want to share all these cool videos and graphics and stuff like that. That that stuff comes in big when it comes to recruiting. So, you know, people have talked about Michigan even having to approve uh, in that department. I'm curious, though, about your opinion on in-state recruiting. So, you know, Jim Harbaugh's been taking some knocks the last couple of years for missing on a couple of really big in-state recruits. You know, D'Antonio did pretty well with that. It's, remains to be seen how Tucker will do with the big in-state recruits. Do you put a whole lot into that a guy like Jim Harbaugh or then like Mel Tucker, just every one of those big in-state recruits, you have to get those guys? Or is it more just about getting your guys, whether they're from New Jersey or Maryland or Florida? 
you know, how much do you put into getting in-state guys? Yeah, for me, I think it's about getting gettable guys. And, of course, your in-state guys should, in theory, be more gettable. So if there's really good guys in your state, yeah, go after them. But I don't know. And maybe this is just my opinion. But, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if there's any advantage to, you know, locking down your borders if you could go get a slightly better guy in Ohio, you know. I mean, they're, they're, you know, it, it seems like it's just pride and bluster kind of more than value. I mean, get gettable guys. Get guys that you think you can get. Don't waste your time um, on these pipe dreams, but get guys you think you can get. And, of course, you, you, the guys in your state should be inclined to be sort of gettable guys. Um, with Mel Tucker, I do think specifically for him uh, that'll be important just because there's typically enough talent in Michigan. It goes up and down year to year. But typically in that top ten, you've got some really good players. And uh, just with the state of the talent pool that he's inheriting, he should be getting going after those guys. Whereas Michigan can kind of, you know, traditionally – can just cast a wider net uh their gettable guys can live further away for the most part and they have those relationships but uh i think that'll be a big emphasis for mel tucker at least is uh, getting into detroit specifically and and just being a, a true player in the state that they were under um d'antonio in the heydays i mean they, there was a run there with aaron burbridge and will golston and those guys uh, where they were getting the number one player in the state pretty consistently and so uh you got to start there but i don't think it's the end all be all I mean, if you can consistently pull four and five stars out of Texas, then, uh, you know, sorry, Jimmy from Grand Rapids, but uh, I'm going to go after those guys, you know. So that's how I would do, do it. But, uh, you know, if the, if, the, if the most winnable battles are here in your backyard, then sure, by all means, go for it. Yeah, mix in a little Florida, California, and Ohio, and you got yourself a program right there, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I do have a question now sliding a little way, a little bit away from uh, Michigan State and Michigan, but in the same conference. I mean, college football right now, because of the pandemic, because of sounds like and looks like a lot of miscommunication, uh, the Big Ten pulls out of the fall football season, and so does the Pac-12. The SEC, ACC, they're moving on along with the Big 12 as of uh, this recording, which we're recording on Wednesday. But uh, what do you make of what is going on in college football and in general, uh, the control or lack of thereof by the NCAA? It's, it's a wild time. Uh, it's just like almost every aspect of life has been this year. I mean, it, things are just so crazy. You just got to, like, you're reading everything twice. Like, is this really happening? <laughs> I mean, just before I got on the phone with you guys, um, Ohio State's AD Gene Smith uh, put out a statement, basically saying, "You know what? Uh, we're just we're still practicing like we're gonna play, and uh, la 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 la. We'll figure it out, and we might call you guys later." You know, it was bizarre. It was basically shooting right back at Kevin Warren, who tonight put out a, a long letter explaining why he postponed the, or why the decision was made to postpone and all that. And here's your the conferences, you know. Uh, crown jewels saying yeah well maybe we'll listen to that but uh we're going to kind of do our own thing it's it's wild times um i i think the big 10 in the end i think this i think on christmas you know we'll look back and say yeah that was the right move probably i really do believe that i don't think anybody's going to finish even half of a season you know at this point i'm not sure if they'll even get one game and maybe a couple conferences will push through I don't think there's any way that they finish. So, you know, I think everyone's kind of kicking the can down the road. Nobody wants to be the villain. But the Big Ten, I do think, has done a very poor job of communicating, you know, uh, in communicating why they made this decision. The Pac-12 made the same decision the same day, and they have, like, a publicly 
available 12-page medical documents sort of outlining how they got there, mm -hmm. um, whereas the Big Ten has been a total mess from the communication standpoint. You've had these reports and sources going back and forth of here was the vote, and then no, 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 there was no vote, and holy crap, how did you not vote on something like this? And muddying the message from every side. It's been, a, it's been a handled pretty bad, I think, from the communication aspect which is making people mad and they're emotional. I want my football. I do, too. I love it. I'm really sad it's not going to happen. But uh, folks are up in arms now. But like I said, I think months from now, uh, I think the decision will have been pretty clear and obvious. Yeah, and that's something that we've talked about a few times. And I, mean, I feel like actually we've been talking about it almost every podcast for the last five months. It's the lack of leadership and communication. And, right, Kevin Warren puts out this or, you know, who knows if he actually wrote the letter. But, you know, they released this letter uh, basically saying, like, it's, Football will not be revisited this fall. We'll, we'll look at the spring is basically what it said. But, right, like you have players and, you know, then the parents, you know, saying we need an explanation. And I think that's a legitimate beef, I guess, with the conference. Like, okay, if you're going to take football away from us, you know, we understand. But tell us why. Like, let us know if there is a vote, why people voted. or Give us all the information. And that's what's kind of weird about the whole thing. And then you see – Notre Dame canceled practice maybe for a couple of days. North Carolina canceled practice for a couple of days because of outbreaks on the campus. What, Michigan State went to all online, too, because of some, some outbreaks going on around campus. So, yeah, it just it has a feeling. It seems like one day you're optimistic about football, the next day you think that there's no way this is going to happen. But I, I'm curious, so you talked about Christmas. You know, usually that's around the time that we're really getting into college basketball. I guess just maybe in your opinion – do you think we even see college basketball, or do you think maybe we're waiting until February or March and we basically just see like a, a March Madness as the first college basketball? I am more optimistic on some splints of a basketball season, strictly you know at the minimum because they do they financially they need to play an NCAA tournament. They, to go two years without that would be uh, crippling if they're not already there from losing a football season. Um, but that would just be completely devastating financially at the bottom line um but i do think uh even this you know in the last couple of days uh michigan state's athletic director bill beekman said he would sort of be open to a bubble-like environment for basketball i believe today the president samuel stanley said he could see you know he wouldn't totally rule out a bubble-ish type of uh environment so it seems like that's uh, sort of gaining traction that we as we've seen that work at the pro level and so, yeah, just basketball by its nature, smaller groups, fewer people, fewer traveling parties. Uh, I just think uh, they could probably figure something out there and with how bad this PR disaster looks like it's going to be from football uh, not happening. I'm sure that they'll, you know, double down on efforts to make sure they can try and get some type of basketball season in. I, I don't – I would expect it would probably start no sooner than January. I don't – I think probably they'd rule it out through the end of the year and then maybe go with a conference only starting in January or uh, something like that. Uh, they've talked about sort of conference bubbles and stuff, but I think it'll be a shortened season for sure. And, uh, but with all, you know, all eyes on getting a, something like a season in and, and getting an NCAA tournament in. Yeah, you're you're 100% right. I mean, they need to have the NCAA tournament or whatever they're going to call it if if the the Power 5 schools still part of the NCAA by that time. But uh uh it's just it's just a crazy time we are in and you know, we're talking about basketball. I mean, covering Michigan State, how about the job that Izzo has done? It's kind of a little bit under the radar somewhat, you know, because of the pandemic and everything else going on, but 
man, he's got some classes coming in. Yeah, and it, that's kind of weird because, like, who would have thought, you know, Tom Izzo, like, who, who hates Twitter and, uh, you know, doesn't know what Instagram is. And, you know, not a very text-focused guy, but he's out here doing Zoom calls and embracing the technology, doing whatever he's got to do to get it done. And, uh, yeah, he's got the makings of, what you know, two very, very good classes or you, know, you piece some of them together and you might have the best he's ever had. So in 2021, which will be uh, – you know, his next incoming freshman uh, has already three four-star guys, all or, sorry, two four-stars and a five-star, all top 100 commitments. And then in the 2022 class, we're talking about uh, juniors in high school right now, is uh, Imani Bates, who, uh, for folks that don't know, is the number one overall player in America at any level um, outside of the NBA, you know. Uh, they say he's the next LeBron James. Uh, he's a absolutely freakishly skilled crazy talented young kid um like i said they, i mean he's he's a, they say he would go number one in the draft right now basically he's, he's that good uh he's committed to michigan state and then uh, another five-star kid the number one player out of uh canada a kid named enoch Wachi. so they're loaded up um in a way they almost never have been and, and like i said those two kids in the 2022 class both of them are thinking about graduating early and joining those other uh, elite players in the 2021 class, and that would be a real Fab Five, you know, type of situation, no doubt, led by the number one, like I said, overall player, regardless of class. Wow. Well, you're pretty fired up about that, aren't you, Matt? Oh, yeah. I, I can't wait to watch that. You know, and that's the thing that you <laughs> talked about going under the radar a little bit. Juwan Howard getting some decent recruits, too. Not on the level that Izzo is, so I can't take anything away from Izzo, but Juwan's putting together a couple nice little classes too, so including his son. You know, we'll see. We'll see what he can do in the next couple of years. But uh, hopefully, that rivalry keeps going. Though. Amen. Amen. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, we could talk uh, for quite a bit longer, Steve, but uh, we don't want to keep you any longer. But before we let you go, uh, tell our listeners the best spot that they can uh, follow you and uh, find out more information on Sparty. Sure, sure. Thanks for having me on again, guys. Uh, Twitter is a good way. I post all my stuff there. It's uh, at Stephen, S-C-E-P-H-E-N, M as in man, underscore Brooks. Uh, all that together, I'm on Twitter there. And then all my works at uh, SpartanTailgate.com. And just go there. That's our homepage. And you can sort of um, scoot around from there and see what you like. Outstanding. Well, we'll check in with you down the road. Let's hope we have some sports to talk about, all right? Yeah, yeah. No, I hope so, guys. I appreciate it. Everybody stay safe out there. All right, Steve. Thanks again for joining us. Well, great stuff there from Stephen Brooks uh, of 24-7 Sports. We're definitely going to book him on the show again. We're going to talk a little bit about what is going on in the state of Michigan, high school sports, specifically football, and we'll get into some other topics as we go along. Before we get into that, though, I want to tell you that uh, SheridanAuctionService.com, that's the spot to go for info on upcoming auctions. The auction house packed with all kinds of great items. Stay up to date by checking their website at SheridanAuctionService.com. Com. Sign up for their email notifications, and you might notice if you're ever in Owasso on South Washington Street, they are they have started a big addition, so they'll be able to have even more and more opportunities for you. Also, another one of our friends, Nelson House Funeral Homes. Their number one goal is to serve the families in our community. The top priority is caring for our friends and neighbors, being right there when you need them the most. They're the best in the business, I got to tell you. For more details, see them on the web at nelson-house.com. And one of our favorite watering holes and place to grab food, Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official sports bar of Three Point Podcast. They're open for dine-in service again. Full menu, special
specializing in pub sandwiches. Come on out for the Thursday bike nights or come out anytime for a great evening with great food and drink. That's Rivals Tap House and Grill in Corona. Well, I, uh, I teased it a little bit. The MHSAA, they canceled their fall football season. We're aware of that, but uh, there's still a lot of controversy. They were supposed to come out today and make an announcement what they were going to do with football and the rest of the fall sports because right now football has been the only one canceled. But they had a two-hour meeting with the representative council and uh, decided that uh, they need tomorrow to talk it over a little bit more. And i got to believe, Matt, that they they are getting some major pressure and I don't envy I don't envy the group first of all cuz it's a tough decision when you're talking college pro but if you're talking high school kids especially but there is definitely controversy involved. Yeah, man, it's just this stuff is just so messy and I like you you kind of said it you don't envy the the position that these people are in. I mean, at any level, like, you know, we've said it before about, you know, just talking about Michigan, like Governor Whitmer, have, you know, the people in those positions having to make these decisions, athletic directors or the presidents of universities or now people in the MHSAA. I mean, it is such a tough time because they're the ones having to make these decisions and no one's going to be happy either way. Half, half the people are going to be cool with it. The other half are going to hate it. And I did see that uh, DeWitt. They, they wrote a letter to the MHSAA, I don't know if it was specifically to like the president or whatever, but to the MHSAA saying that they support the decision. So there's obviously some and do it to, you know, pretty big football powerhouse in, in the state of Michigan. So pretty big to hear from them on that. But and, it, you know, it's almost like what we've said before about the Big Ten. You need to be transparent about it. Tell us every reason why you're not doing it and just be like matter of fact. Don't waffle. Don't go back and forth. We're not having football. That's it. And this is why. Yeah, I agree with you there. And just a little background on the DeWitt thing. Uh, not saying anything shady's going around about that letter, but it just so happens to be the executive director of the MHSAA. His kids go to DeWitt, so uh, take that okay. for take that for what you will. Now, the one thing that did bug me a little bit, I did, you know, I actually believe it or not, people, I do sometimes some research for this this podcast and when i saw that uh, they had the vote you know and they were going to postpone it till spring and you know we all think that could be a disaster and is it really going to happen uh so i i emailed uh, my contact over at the high school athletic association and asked him i said well do you have the vote tally and his response back to me was it was nearly unanimous to cancel the fall season and i i i just found that to be a little bit peculiar. So I followed back up on that after I read an article in the Lansing State Journal and get this, 60% of the athletic directors that responded, 600 out of the 748 responded, 60% wanted to keep the fall season and play this fall. Now, that's certainly not unanimous to to cancel it, is it? No, and that that's exactly what I'm talking about and we've talked about the transparency part, because, you know, Steve just talked about it in our interview, and we have before about how with the Big Ten, you know, you had ADs coming out and saying they didn't even know if a vote happened. Right. And and parents, you know, saying, I know Jared had some opinions about, like, the parents, and, you know, them speaking <laughs> up, but, you know, parents are wondering why their kids are getting their, their football season get taken away. So, man, I, I understand that weird time, but this is also the time you need leadership, and you need to tell people what's going on. If you're telling these kids that they're losing their senior year of football or, you know, whatever sport it is, whatever extracurricular activity it is, you need to let them know because, I mean, it's a big deal for people. And it's, it's 
these kids' futures, you know, whatever your, way you're looking at it. So, and yeah, to just be given misinformation or lying about stuff, that's not a good look either. Yeah, and, and you know, in fairness to the MHSAA, I think they do have some solid leadership at the top. Uh, you know, they have an executive council, though, that made the call on this, all right? The ADs all offered their opinions, and like I said, okay. 60% of the ADs said keep the fall football season. Now, there were comments that they had concerns, which, of course, they have concerns, right? But it was a majority wanted to keep the fall football season going, number one. But the representative council, they're the ones that actually, you know, it's a group of like 19 different types of groups like athletic directors, uh, media directors, stuff like that. They're on the representative council of the high school's athletic association. They are the ones that are meeting to make the decision. And uh, it's going to be really interesting because it's supposed to come down tomorrow. Tomorrow they're going to make the announcement, and we're, again, we're recording this on uh, Wednesday the 19th. The 20th is the day they said they were going to make their official announcement. I heard Mark Yule, the head of the MHSA, say it today that tomorrow they will make an announcement. Not only, they probably will just stick with what they got on football, but they'll make an announcement yeah. on the other sports. And they're going to be, their hands are tied somewhat uh, due to uh, Governor Whitmer's orders. You know, they can't allow certain amount of people in in gyms or uh, swimming pools for inside sports so right it, it may be taken right out of the mhsa's hands but uh the, the governor really has made that it's going to make that decision for them you know they're not going to have really much of a choice on some of the other sports yeah they could probably play soccer outside but is there really that much of a difference between soccer and football there's some but soccer has become quite a contact sport as well and uh, but I don't know what they're going to end up doing with swimming and volleyball. I mean, they may have a shortened volleyball season and just have it outdoors. You know, who knows? Yeah, I mean, you know, figuring out practice times and obviously like with states, you know, I guess rules right now as far as social gatherings and stuff like that, you got to take that into play. But you, you brought up, you know, the, the executive group that makes these decisions or whatever for the MHSAA. And I know we have a structure to things, whether it's in, you know, the government or a group like the MHSA or whatever. I understand that's why we have elected officials and all that kind of stuff. But doesn't it seem like, you know, even people were saying this when the Big Ten said they weren't going to play, that you would ask the ADs or the, the coaches or, you know, even the principals of the school, you know, even go to that, that, go that route. But, like, with college football, you would ask the coaches, and the staff of the football team, even the players, like it seems like to me you would let that weigh in a little bit. If every coach has put into place safe protocols to, to keep players you know, safe on campus and stuff like that and in the practice facilities, and all the players are 100% on board, and then for college or high school, the players' parents are also saying, we understand the risk, we're going forward. Doesn't it seem like that would hold some weight, not just like, this group of people saying, nope, we're not playing? Oh, 100%, Matt. I mean, you, you, you used the word a little bit ago, leaders or leadership. There's been a, a severe lack of that. Now, let's face it. We played for great coaches. We played for bad coaches, right? The, the, the great coaches are, are leaders, true leaders, you know, and same thing in the business world. I mean, I think personally what's been going on in, in college uh, athletics and, you know, a lot of it is the unknown with this pandemic. But if you got good leadership in place, and it starts with the college presidents, hey, that's where the buck stops. But if you're a good leader, and this is what I'm leading into, they didn't have that communication. I mean, if I'm a leader and I'm going to be in charge ultimately 
of this kind of decision, I'm going to do exactly what you talked about. I'm going to ask for input from the athletic directors, the coaches. Is it going to be a a logistic nightmare? Sure, but you, you can figure it out. You need to have all the ammunition and facts in place before you as a leader or general, if you will, make that tough decision. If you just make these tough decisions without any input, you're setting yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up for criticism. I mean, I think most people can respect a leader that that at least puts the effort in to communicate up front and knowingly at the end of the day, he has to make a tough decision that's not going to make everybody happy. And, and ultimately, that's what it comes down to with good leadership. And we haven't seen good leadership in, in many, many things since no. March. No, and, and right. Ultimately, like I was saying, you know, they're, they're put in a position to maybe make the final decision. But you would think if you take the opinions of the ADs, the coaches, the whole staff, the players, the parents, that might help make your decision to where the majority of the people you're affecting with that decision are happy. You know, like it sounded like most coaches, ADs, and then definitely players in the Big Ten were willing to play. And then, you know, we're seeing all the parents saying, like, we want our kids to play. We're on board. So it seems like, you know, that obviously you're not going to let them maybe make the decision for you, but maybe that would help your decision making. And the thing that's just strange, too, I know we talked about it on Twitter a little bit and stuff, but like, and we've talked about it on this podcast a lot, how with this whole pandemic, every state's just doing their own thing. There's just been no unity, no organization, it feels like, no leadership. We keep using that word, the mm-hmm. leadership. seems like it's been lacking. And then same with, like, now college football, the SEC's playing, the Big Ten's not. And then the same's happening now with high school football. Yeah. Indiana's playing. Ohio's playing. Michigan's not. And these are states that are just, like, I mean, literally miles, minutes apart. And then even, you know, you think about Indiana, as long as things don't keep going bad with Notre Dame, Notre Dame was, you know, moving forward playing football because they're in the ACC. So you're seeing high school football and Notre Dame football in Indiana and just miles away, no high school, no college football in Michigan. It just, it's just so strange to think about it that way. Yeah, and I you know, don't think some of that is in the conversations at the representative council of the MHSAA tomorrow. I mean, they see that out there, Ohio and Indiana playing football and I think, you know, if you, if, you, if you look at the whole picture, and, you know, we, you and I were kind of on the same page. I think Jared was the other way of just canceling everything. But I, I didn't see the rush to, to cancel it. Why not just postpone it for a while? Because, you, you know, you're just going to have a complete logistic nightmare trying to slide things to the spring. I know their plan already is, okay, they're going to start basketball. This is if COVID doesn't change things who knows it changes on a daily basis but they're planning on starting high school basketball in this state like at the first of november and then wrapping it up by the first of march okay and then they're, they're talking about starting the shortened football season the first of march maybe playing uh, five or six regular season games and then maybe let everybody in the tournament and go from there i mean <laughs> And then then move the spring season, right, to finish up around 4th of July or, or later than that. I mean, it's just a complete mess. Can you imagine the seniors on the baseball team with senioritis say, yeah, I'm going to stay dedicated and, and, you know, do everything I'm supposed to all the way through July after I graduate? Yeah. That's just I a – I mean, good luck with that. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're getting ready for – 
college, if you if you are going to college, you already graduated. You know, graduation's already happened. So you're literally out of school. So yeah, that just seems pretty tough. And I know we we posted the video, our initial reactions on our Twitter page and stuff. And the the biggest thing to me that talking about football in the spring, and I mean, you know, people in Michigan, people in northern states, they know better than anything. It's just the weather. I mean, if if you're asking. Uh, you know, the grounds crew or the, the maintenance crew at some of these smaller schools who don't have a field turf football field to have the field ready to go or even the practice field, you know, in proper playing conditions. I mean, sometimes we see snow all the way up till Easter in, right. in Michigan. So, you know, people say, I've seen people say, like, oh, kids would love that playing in snow. I'm like, yeah, that might be easy to say right now. Yeah. But it's actually pretty nasty. And then to ask the, the crews that keep the fields in, in, you know, good condition, and it, and ask the kids to practice outside in that crappy weather. I mean, if you're asking kids to like stay healthy because of all this stuff, and then you're telling them to go outside and practice every day, you know, through through March and all that, I just and then yeah, you're asking track and baseball to play through July or whatever, right? And I, I, it's just it's a mess. It's, yeah, it's a mess. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing here in the state of Michigan, though, and I think it's probably nationwide, high school-wise, more and more uh, turf fields have been put in. So, I mean, I, I don't know if they've even talked about that, but, I mean, you could technically have uh, spread it around a little bit, maybe have a triple header on a Saturday and, um, you know, have a Friday night double header and get five games in on a local turf field. You know, Chesanine here locally has a real nice turf field. There'd have to be a lot of communication and cooperation for something like that. But, I mean, that's a possibility, I suppose. It's still cold and still wintry, but you might not have to deal with uh, the terrible turf, you know. Yeah, it'd be nice if they can figure something out. It just seems, yeah, if you're saying, I mean, you know, thinking about it, at first I was like, there's no way you can go back-to-back. But, you know, thinking about it, it, that is kind of how it is, you know, most of the time. You know, once football ends, if you play basketball or if you wrestle, Mm -hmm. move right into that next sport. So, I, you know, that might not be that big of a deal. Hey, it's just jam. It just seems like it's jamming a lot. Desperate, a short window. <laughs> it sure is, and desperate times call for desperate measures, and that's what they're looking at. All right, I want to get into some uh, some other potpourri in sports. The NBA's playoffs is underway. Major League Baseball. There's been some news and a few other things. I'll get to that here in just a second. Just want to tell you that the CoronaConnection.com. They know it's great to be gold. Keep up to date on Cavalier Nation at CoronaConnection.com, an advanced elevator company. They feature top expert field technicians for troubleshooting, repair, and installation of elevators, an area business leader, and a longtime huge supporter of the Corona Public Schools. Education is facing a whole new world with the COVID-19 pandemic. In normal times, there are tons of reasons why nearly 40% of Shiawassee County families choose Corona. Families choose Corona because our athletic program and high school are ranked as the best in the county by Nietzsche.com and U.S. News & World Report, respectively. Families choose Corona because of the relationships our staff has with our students and families. Families choose Corona because of our World Championship Odyssey the Mind program or our award-winning band, FFA, co-op, or other career-related classes like mechatronics or construction trades. Still others like our low elementary class sizes and the paraprofessional support our students get or the social-emotional support for all of our students. Finally, I believe families choose Corona because they trust us. 
And with COVID-19 pandemic, trust is probably the most important trait you can consider when thinking about what school district is right for your child. Here at Corona Public Schools, you can trust we are working hard to implement an educational plan that will work for every student and all families as the start of the 2021 school year gets nearer. Regardless of what phase our state is in, I can promise you this, any plan we implement will be based on the following cornerstones. Our staff loves our students like they're our own. We will do everything we can to keep your child safe. We will do everything we can within the law to provide normal school experiences like field trips or recess. And finally, we will do everything we can to challenge your child academically and provide emotional and social support. This is Corona Public Schools Superintendent John Fattel, and I guess when you get right to it, there's lots of reasons why people choose and trust Corona Public Schools. Remember, young or old, it's great to be gold. Call 989-743-6338 to set up a tour and find out for yourself why Corona is the right fit for your child. Let's start in the NBA because that's the one league that really, really seems to have figured out a pretty good compromise. You know, they had a little eight-game regular season tune-up for teams to get into the playoffs and, and start to get their legs back, and now the playoffs are underway. And I think we're already seeing, Matt, uh, the, big, uh, the, the big concern, which was, Nobody has a home court advantage. You know, the two number one seeds already lost their first game. I mean, we don't know how those series are going to end up, but uh, it's already off to a, a very interesting start. Yeah, and that's, you know, we talked about a lot with golf. No fans at these, these golf tournaments. And, you know, how maybe that didn't necessarily play have a huge effect on the players, you know, the no fans. I think the no fans, and then especially, you know, not being on your home court, is having a big impact on these playoff games because – yeah, I think just last night specifically, the Lakers losing to the Blazers, that would have been at Staples Center, you know, the first mm-hmm. haven't been to the playoffs in like five or six years. That that arena would have been, I mean, assuming there could have been fans there, <laughs> that arena would have been like rocking. So you got to, yeah, I think that that had a huge effect. And then just, you know, thinking about it, that, that little, you mentioned the shortened little like play-in season that they did. Mm-hmm. The Lakers locked up the number one seed just a couple games into that. And the Blazers were, like, having to fight to get into the playoffs. So you got to wonder if, you know, that, you know, Blazers kind of found their rhythm where the Lakers were kind of cruising a little bit, um, you know, going into the playoffs. But, but right, you, you teed it up. They've, these, these playoffs have been great. The games have been good. Presentation on television has been good. I mean, it, it's definitely first class all the way. And, again, we've talked about it before. Adam Silver, he, he had it figured out. Yeah, got it figured out. And, obviously, they had – the space to do it there, you know, at ESPN's campus there and, and the Disney Resort. So, you know, you have the space. At Like Steve, our, our interview, he said basketball's a little easier, you know, mm-hmm. smaller rosters, not as much staff, you know, on a, on a basketball team. But, but, right, Adam Silver, they had a plan. They had the leadership. They had it figured out. And, I mean, we're, we're setting up to see a pretty cool uh, playoff run here in the NBA. You know, your Lakers did lose. Uh, maybe some of that was due to the fact they didn't have the home court. But in a way, don't you kind of like this, that all the teams are thrown together. There's no real advantage for home court. You know, I mean, the one team technically, what, the higher seed has the home court advantage in a real world, but not down in, in Orlando. I think this is going to be a great tournament to really see who is the team playing the best basketball at the end. Yeah, because you got to think, like, you know, we've, Jared's brought up before, like Oracle, uh, the the Warriors home arena. That's just like an insane home court advantage for them. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Warriors aren't down in Orlando right now. But right, a team not getting to have that home court advantage, 
it's just straight up who's the better team. That's who's going to win. So it, it'll be really interesting to see. And just like entertaining games. The guys are, you know, it seems like anyway, the guys are having a ton of fun with it, taking it serious. That's what we've talked about before. So, yeah, it, it, I'm, I'm pretty excited to watch them play off. Yeah, and after watching Portland play, and, you know, and then they were they were pretty good last year, how the heck did they slip to an eight seed this season? <laughs> you know, especially now the way uh, Damian Lillard's playing, man. He is on fire. Yeah, he's lights out. And, uh, you know, they had a couple little injuries during the season, and, yeah, they were just kind of like hovering around the playoffs through that, that eight spot all season. But, yeah, when he's playing that way, you got to wonder why they're not like a two or three seed. No kidding. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, I'm definitely going to be tuning in, but here's here's a question for you. By the way, you mentioned Jared. I'm sure he, if, if he listens in, he probably would have already called me a dumbass two or three times here in this program. <laughs> but uh, but my body clock, it's just, it's still not quite tuned in, if you know, my, know what I mean. I'm talking about really, right now, really is, is baseball season and the start of football season. And here we are, we're cranking it into NBA and even to a lesser extent, because I'm not the hugest fan, NHL. You know, it's, it's just weird trying to get my viewing lined up with my body clock. I don't know if that makes any sense at all. No, it does, because even, like, you know, the pandemic has kind of messed with things. Unless you're, like, staying up watching movies, you know, people were probably going to bed a little earlier because there was nothing to do. Right. You know? So now, like, even, yeah, last night watching the Lakers, I mean, I've watched some, some you know, when, when basketball came back and some other sports that went a little late. Um, but, you know, that game went till I don't know, like 1230, 1 o'clock. And, you know, I was struggling a little bit in the fourth quarter. I was like, man, this is getting late. And usually, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm getting a little older. I'm 35. But, you know, for the most part, I'm used to staying up late and watching stuff. But, no, I, I'm with you. Yeah. Body clock's a little messed up. Yeah, that's where I hit the DVR and I check it out in the morning real quick. But I'm looking forward to, the, to especially when they get down to the Final Four, you know. I'm going to be watching yeah. real closely then, like I always do. It's just a weird time yeah. of year to be doing it. Uh, moving to the sport, really, that should be cranking in full gear which is underway at least, and they're still limping along Major League Baseball. And I know we had a lot of action on Twitter this week about, oh, let's just call it the unwritten rules of baseball. And I know you're not uh, you're not a big fan. No, I hate them. I hate the unwritten rules. And I understand that, you know, baseball is like the classic. It's America's sport, America's game, whatever. And, you know, you got to respect the game. And, you know, I, I understand all that. I grew up baseball – was one of, I mean, it was definitely one of my favorite sports growing up. I, I loved it. Played my whole life. So I understand all that. But it's stupid. These unwritten rules are stupid. The, the bat flip thing, it's basically all the stuff that makes the sport fun they want to take out of it. The bat flips or, you know, like the last one was Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, a few days ago, he hits a home run or he hits a grand slam on a 3-0 count. It was a blowout. His team was up, you know, whatever, seven or eight runs. 3-0 count. He smokes a grand slam. And the other team's pissed about it because they're saying, oh, you got to respect the game unwritten rule. You don't swing on a 3-0 pitch. And it's like, oh, my God, come on. Like, what do you want these guys to do? Like, you, you groove a fastball down the middle at 3-0. I mean, you're, you're going to swing. I mean, you've been practicing your whole life. You know, he's a young player, you know, trying to make a name for himself in the game, competing. And you want him to just take the pitch. And then also the whole side of, like, fans. You, you know, fans want to see that. Fans don't want to see a guy take a three zero pitch and walk in or run when he could hit a grand slam. I just the unwritten rules. I think they need to go. You know, as our listeners know, I'm a sixty something, and I'm a lot of times old school, but I tend to agree with you. I mean, a lot of these unwritten rules in baseball, I don't know. They just carried on. I will say this: 
the players never said anything in the past. I mean, if he hit that 3-0 and ball out of the ballpark for a grand slam with a 7 nothing lead, players wouldn't have said anything. They would have got their revenge, but they wouldn't have said anything. Now, with all the media out there and, you know, you know they're talking about it, and that just makes them look bad, you know. <laughs> That's part of it. Uh, but I, I see no problem with that. Baseball is the one sport, you know, there's no time clock. So no lead is safe. You try to put as many runs on the board as you can until you get that final out of the game. You don't win. So I I see no problem with that. And I know we also have an issue with – I saw you posted a a picture of uh, who's the star player for the Angels. He he took a fast – Mike Mike Trout. Mike Trout, yeah. He took a fastball, a retaliation fastball right behind the head. And, I mean, that's complete BS, you know. You you just don't do that. I don't care – what kind of message you're sending? You don't throw a fastball at the head, right? And that's it. That was like the. It's like an unwritten rule of an unwritten rule. So his his team beamed. They were playing the Giants, right? Uh, they beamed a star player on the Giants. And you know, when the unwritten rule, you hit our guy, we're going to hit your guy. Mike Trout's the best player in the game, so he had to know probably it was coming. And he was coming up the bat. It's coming, right? So like, like yeah, you you mentioned you know in that situation, you try and just throw an off speed pitch to the butt, you yep. know whatever you take it you take and then you take your base he took two it was two pitches right at his head Heaters. one went behind his head and the other one kind of went in front he was able to duck and that's like so the people that are all about ah, baseball polices itself so when something happens like you said the, the players would maybe just retaliate get the revenge move on it's like so you're cool with someone potentially taking a hundred mile an hour fastball into the head I mean, that's the stuff that I'm just like, it's just stupid. It's nonsense. I saw people say, like, well, that's the unwritten rule of the unwritten rule. (laughs) You don't throw at the head. And it's like, geez, come on. Like, (laughs) this is just getting out of control. (laughs) You got that right. Well, you know, talking a little Tiger baseball, they brought up their their young guns, at least three of them, Tarek Skubal, Casey Mize, who actually is on the hill as we record this, and Isaac Paradis, uh, third baseman. I'm I'm surprised I didn't bring up Torkelson, their number one choice this year, but Skubal got off to a little rugged start last night, giving up a home run ball, his first batter. But he he buckled down after that. I had to give him credit. He, He looks like he's got some potential. Yeah, I mean, and that's, you know, the Tigers, they, they were doing well. We talked about it a little bit. They were they were doing well. They've split a little bit. But if there's a year to give these guys a chance, at least, you know, in my opinion, I think you you kind of agreed. Um, mm-hmm. You know, bring these kids up and see what they can do because these are, these are three players that are, if you're really going to turn this around, you drafted them to help turn the program or turn the team around. Uh, so, yeah, this is the year to bring them up. So hopefully my, I mean, we'll, we'll know by the time this, this podcast airs, how he does tonight, but yeah, hopefully he has a little better start than uh, Scooble did. But yeah, Mize, he has all the tools. Mize is supposed to be. I mean, I watched him a lot when he was at Auburn, and you know he's supposed to be just you know that ace, that, that guy like a Justin Verlander type of ace. Right. Hopefully so, it pans out. Well, and I have no fault with the Tigers not bringing him up to start the season either because of. Uh, whatever weird rules they have in baseball, the Tigers could, right. have, could have lost a year of eligibility, and you don't want to do that. Right. You don't want to keep them locked up, but if you bring them up now. You know, bring Torkelson up next. Let's see if he can hit big league pitching. I'm ready for it. Yep. <laughs> uh, another another quick story here is we're we're winding down, but uh, how about Alex Smith, huh? Yeah, I actually saw he's. I mean, he was activated and he was actually at practice doing reps. And I mean, if anyone hasn't seen that story, I mean, we don't have to get into no. You know, we could talk about it for a while, but um, what's it been? Two years ago now? Two, three years that he's been. He was, I mean, he was a starting quarterback for the 
the Washington football team. Right. And uh, if if you don't if you have a weak stomach, it would be one not to go to YouTube and watch. But he had uh, a leg injury. I mean, it's just that stuff doesn't bother me. So I've watched it and I actually recently watched it. As gruesome of a leg injury as you'll ever see in, in football. Worse, worse than Joe Theismann. point. I mean, look at anyone that doesn't know. Look it up. And he, not just his leg, was potentially going to have to be amputated. His life was at risk. I mean, they were like saving his life because of how bad the injury was. Right. So for him to be back on the field is just incredible. I hope that he makes the decision though that okay, he made it back to the field. He's throwing the ball around, but I hope he hangs it up. Maybe become a coach. You know. He can't risk playing again, can he? I mean, you don't want to tell a guy you can't do it, but, man, that injury was so severe. Man, I don't know. I don't see how he could do it. I really don't. Right. The competitor in him, you know, he obviously probably wants to prove that he can get back. So maybe that you're right. Maybe you're right. That's as far as it'll go. He'll do some reps. Maybe even, well, there's no preseason. Right. Here. I was, I was going to say maybe he takes, like, one series in preseason or something or, you know, something like that. But, right, but to prove that, okay, I made it back. But, I mean, he I, even watching him, like, obviously his, his mobility is there. I mean, he, I don't think he could actually play in an NFL game because, I mean, he can barely run right. more. So, you know, I don't know if he would actually ever legitimately become the starter. But, right, you would think just, like, safety alone, yeah. someone would tell him, hey, man, you are the toughest dude I know but we can't let you go out there and play. Yeah, I mean, the story itself is just tremendously inspirational, and it it just tells you don't ever give up. And uh, kudos to Alex Smith, man. That's that's a hell of a story. Before we wrap this up, especially since Jared's not here, I want to clear up a couple things politically, if you don't mind. Uh, I had a a caller or a listener brought up something, something to me that we had talked about a couple different times, that this COVID would be gone if uh, we would have had better leadership from uh, the federal government, right? I think you and I are kind of in agreement on that. Yeah. Uh, okay, but I, I, to clarify it, from my end anyway, I'm not just pointing out POTUS, uh, President Trump, but I'm talking about the Senate and the House. I think every, mm-hmm. everybody involved drop the ball on that because you know they all have to work together i mean that's what we elect them for and it's just a mess from what i see politically all the way across the board but i think if we would have had better leadership from all aspects of our federal government at the very beginning i realize you know that a lot of facts weren't known but i think if we would have had a little better leadership at that point we might be in a little better position right now agree disagree no yeah i, de- I mean i definitely agree i, I think leadership is one of the biggest things when it comes to something like a global pandemic or, you know, a situation like you, you hear all the words like an unprecedented situation or it's a fluid situation, you know, something that a situation where no one's experienced anything like this, unless you were around during 1918, during the Spanish flu, no one's experienced something like this. So these are the times you need leadership and depending on what aisle, which side of the aisle you fall, fall on, it sure seems like leadership has lacked. And it's not, I, you know, maybe you, you agree with me too, but um, it's not necessarily that I think it would be gone. I just think it would be, like, managed much better because you see the other right. countries who have taken it more seriously, not necessarily gone, but they're, it's managed much better. They're able to, they've got sports, their schools are back open and stuff, and, you know, we've just got such, like, division in this country that 
And we're losing high school football. We're losing college football because we can't get it figured out. <laughs> yeah, and that's just our own uh, selfish greed on we want sports. You know, there's a lot bigger issues out there, but they just can't seem right. – there, there doesn't seem to be any compromise anymore, you know. And, uh, you know, people – I've heard people talk about, oh, we need a good, strong third party. And I kind of le- was leaning that way for a while, but I, th- I don't think it will ever happen in my lifetime, but I'd like to see it where – you just don't have party politics. You you vote for the best person that can communicate and can work with other politicians to get stuff done for the betterment of our country and not the betterment of them lining their pockets, which we see a lot of in government, don't we? Right. Yeah. And that you know, it sure seems like bipartisanship is just not a thing anymore because no, you either align with one side or you align with the other, and that's just the way it is. It's just kind of how it how it seems and. You know, my thing is too, and it's nothing against uh, older people. I know you're, you know, you're still, still, you're a young man. Young at heart. Young at heart. (laughs) Right. But, you know, you look at the two candidates, the two main candidates coming up this this fall, they are not young. And the thing that I wonder is why can't we have a legitimate 50 year old candidate, you know, younger candidate who isn't ingrained into the dirtiness of politics? Right. Someone who's still, you know, getting getting their bearings, and you know they know politics. It's not like they don't know anything, but uh, they're not like you said. So in the pockets of all these lobbyists and all these groups and the NRA and all this stuff, that they're actually a good, strong candidate. But you know, young. <laughs> That's well, what I want to know. Well, yeah, I mean, part of it is because the, these these older guys. They know how they know how to play the game and have the most donors. You know, it's all about the money when you're running a campaign. There, there have been decent younger candidates, but they fall by the wayside for whatever reason. They run out of money. You know, I mean, just to run for president is such an ex- expensive task in the first place, and you don't get that money on your own. It's donations. It's lobbyists. It's everything else that goes with it. So. I'm glad we saved our political talk for the end because if anybody wanted to drop off, feel feel free at this point. <laughs> political talk, yeah, the political talk for the end and for when Jared is <laughs> exactly <laughs> able to get it in. But you know, the, my, I guess my last thing is like hearing you talk about that, the money. Why is it all about the money? Why can't, like you said, why can't there just be someone who wants to do good for the country? It's not about the money. It's not about being Republican or Democrat. Just someone who wants to do good for the country. Yeah, and in fact, that's how I've always voted for president, uh, to be honest with you. I mean, I've I've voted Republican presidents, I've voted Democratic presidents, and it's pretty close to the the tally of both, you know. I just look at who that candidate is, who I think is the most honest, and who can get the job done, and that's about it. I don't go by a party line whatsoever. So uh, the main thing I would say to our listeners is if you haven't registered to vote, if you're a young young potential voter— Please register while you can and vote. And uh, this whole mail-in ballot thing, that's a whole nother, <laughs> another debate for another time. But I do have one thing, one final thing to end on, and this is COVID-related. Boy, there's a lot of people out there, and I, I don't want to say one way or the other, whether you're right or wrong, because who knows right now. But there's people out there that still believe that COVID has been just overly hyped. It's not really any worse than the regular flu. And why have we had such a crisis, you know? And then there's the other side of the coin that says, listen, it's killing people. I mean, I actually had a different guy talk to me this week and said that, well, listen, nobody said anything about the tuberculosis thing in in 2018. That killed a heck of a lot more people. And my, my comment back to him was, 
are you talking in the United States or worldwide? And he said, well, worldwide. I said, well, well, what was the tally in the United States? We're at over 170,000 deaths right now. Well, I happened to look it up. In, in the year 2018, in the United States, we had just a hair over 9,000 cases of TB. So, I mean, you can't even compare it. Right. You know, but that that's another big debate that people are having right now. Is it as serious as it as it really is made out to be in the so-called general media? Uh, you know, and, you, and those are legit debates, I guess. Right. I mean, you're going to have your opinion one way or the other. Yeah. And that, that's just the whole shame of it all is that, you know, you, you feel like you can't trust reporting or you can't trust right. the media or, you know, whatever you want to say that that the numbers were being told or. You know, all just all the facts and the information about this thing, you feel like you can't trust it. And it's just like it goes back to, you know, the leadership or having a good candidate in the office or whatever we're saying. Like, we should be able to trust the information that we're being given about a pandemic that's affecting our livelihood and, you know, affecting family members, friends, and stuff like that. You, you should be able to trust the information that we're being given. And it doesn't feel like we can. Because, you know, people say, you know, are they just saying all these deaths or these cases are COVID when they're not, you know, the death rate's really low. So, right, that's why people are saying this isn't even a big deal. It's just basically the flu. Like, the death rate's so low. And it's just like, you know, we're still learning so much about this thing that that's, I think, why we still need to be so cautious. Right, right. It's still a virus and, you know, it's still a threat. So that's what's kind of a little scary about it. But, right, do we need to be, like, locked down in our bunker and never leaving your your house or whatever? I don't think it's that extreme. Nope. But, you know, just going out willy-nilly like nothing's going on, I don't know if that's the best idea. Well, I'll tell you what, that's uh, that's a pod that we'll just pass on to Rush Limbaugh or somebody else that can handle the topic. <laughs> that's That works for me. We're, we're going to stick to sports, folks. And... Uh, you know, hopefully we'll see some. Hopefully we'll see some Big Ten football maybe in the fall with uh, the parents and everybody. Uh, you know, petitioning. I doubt it, but you know, we haven't heard the end of that story yet, have we? I don't know. I mean, Kevin, like like we talked about, Kevin Warren, the you know the commissioner, he he said we're not revisiting it. I heard that. Maybe the parents will get something done. Who knows? Well, you know, they're doing FOIA searches and all this other stuff, so they're putting pressure on. But I, I got a feeling the latest plan I saw, which is kind of interesting, that they may start football kind of to coincide with basketball, you know, and start start college football in uh, January. And, you know, you could do it in the Big Ten. You could you could do a schedule at uh, the Hoosier Dome and uh, down at Ford Field and at Dome Stadiums, couldn't you? Yeah, and kind of like what you said, you could play a couple games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you use the, the domes that are in the area in, in Big Ten country. Um, I mean, it sure seems like it. And, and now that um, – some, a lot of schools, like we mentioned, Notre Dame, North Carolina, Michigan State, other schools have started basically telling students to stay home because there's already been outbreaks since students came on campus. So people have said, like, you know, maybe you should have done this from the start, but if you're telling students to stay home, you could keep student athletes on campus because they're already still practicing. Michigan's still going to practice. So you could keep the athletes on campus to practice. That's basically a bubble. Let them practice, set up the games, you know. I don't know. But, uh, Matt, you're... Yeah, I'm, just, I'm glad I'm not in position to make these decisions. I agree with you. And uh, just one final comment on, on the college deal. What we're seeing right now with the outbreaks at uh, in Carolina and Notre Dame, and were, were there behind-the-scenes things that they wanted money from the students, you know, the housing and everything else? you think that probably with what the major colleges knew going in, 
They probably should have just said, you know what, we're going we're gonna to go strictly online. We're going to give you a discount on your credit hour rate, and we want you to stay home, and you can take classes online. I mean, would that have been the prudent thing to do? I mean, if you're saying that football and other sports aren't safe, it sure seems like it. Yeah. I mean, if, you're, if you're saying you can't compete in these sports for whatever reason you're saying, but you think it's safe for kids to come back and live in the tight quarters, you know, in dorm rooms, and you know they're going to be mingling out on campus and stuff like that, like that's what makes it seem pretty um, hypocritical because, right, they got all this money for room and board and stuff from all these students. Now a lot of them are either being sent home or being told to stay home. Right. So, yeah. It, it's you know it's the NCAA, it's college. I mean, it, there's there's a lot of weirdness that goes on. With that <laughs> well, not only that, it's, it's it's college kids, and if they're on campus, they're going to party. It's just not. You're, there's no way you're going to prevent that. It's just going to happen. Yeah. You know. So and I, I just maybe before we're about to sign off, I did I tweeted out, but I you know I had to do the, the fine bomb show today, and a lot of people were calling in, and people were saying you know I've seen on Twitter and other places um, saying basically that like which is true. Not, I'm not disputing what you said, that they're college kids, because I know if I was in college at this time, I would it's not like I would have been staying in my room or staying in my apartment, not going anywhere. College kids are going to go out and mingle and interact. And I a lot of people are saying, like, oh, stupid college kids, you know, they're irresponsible, you can't trust them, <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. But I'm just sitting here saying, well, we're, what, 157 days into this pandemic, you said, and uh, adults haven't gotten a handle on this either. So, like, our, if we're, if we're going to take shots at college kids, uh, there's still a lot of grown uh, men and women out there not wearing masks or not socially distancing, so it's not just college kids. Oh, amen, brother. Now, let me tell you, <laughs> at, a, at 20 years old, I was about the dumbest knucklehead around, so <laughs> I, I can still remember, all right? Hey, uh, before we wrap up, just want to tell our listeners, hey, if you want to you want to participate, you know, by uh, communicating to us, you can do it in social media that we're at three point pod or you can send us an email we always like to get those we're at three point pod at gmail.com but we're going to wrap up this program make sure you let our partners know you listen in they include advanced elevator corona connection rivals tap house and grill nelson house funeral home and sheridan auction service i want to thank our special guest stephen brooks of 24 7 sports definitely check out his writing does a great job and we'll book him again uh, to talk little spartan sports down the road for jared fatel and matt burns i'm ted fatel Thanking you again for supporting Three Point Podcast. Three Point Podcast is syndicated worldwide on Sports Radio Detroit and MWSN Radio. The show is a Sportsnet Michigan production recorded at the WJSZ Mid Michigan Studios. Spread the word to your friends and family and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or any of the other big podcast hosting sites. Comments and questions can be sent via social media at 3PointPod or by email to 3PointPod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, bye for now.